God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right, welcome back to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. Tonight is the night. We're going to be live at the Saxon Pub at 9.30. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, if you're one of those people who loves I Okay, You're Okay, and you're listening to it the day it comes out, kind of the, the way a little kid runs up to the ice cream truck when he hears ding, 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 ding in his neighborhood, and that ding, ding, ding is Clint Wells and B. Schnids up in the I Okay suite van. Then tonight's your night, baby. The only problem is we're out of ice cream because I think I ate, <laughs> I ate it all because I hate myself. But Have you been eating a lot of ice cream lately? I've been eating a lot of fucking M&Ms, which is really, really weird for me. So anyway, the bag of fucking M&Ms, which we never have, has just been sitting in my kitchen and I've eaten all of them. Well, that's what you do, dude. I mean, you're not going to drive to the store and buy some M&M, M&Ms. Doesn't but even if occur to me. Sit, if they're sitting there on the counter and you keep walking by them... It's only a matter of time. Dude, if you're a snake and somebody puts a goddamn fucking hamster in your cage, you're going to slither by it a few times, but eventually you're putting that hamster in your maw. Yeah, that's all right. What you're basically saying is you can't fight nature. Dude, you can't fight fucking nature, dude. Dude, you know who fights nature? Nurture. Mm, And you know who loses every time? Nachos. Because you're putting those in your mouth, those. I am finally reading Sapiens, and it is it is kind of a mind-blower of a book. It's not anything I didn't already know or believe, um, but the, the writing is, it's good for a, a layman, which is what I am, just interested in the science. And it's a lot to think about, man. It's a lot. It's a very humbling book, because really the premises were not that special. Grappling with that's interesting. The old snake in the cage that's going to eat the chicken. It's, there's an inevitability to it that's tough to grapple with. Yeah. Have you have you watched Loki on your Disney Plus? I did watch Loki. I'm about halfway through it. I have to say, I, I'm enjoying it. It's probably my favorite uh, Marvel thing that I've seen on Disney Plus. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. It's even better than WandaVision, which as our listeners will know, I really liked. Here's what I... I'm telling you, man, I had hung out with these dudes last night. We were watching basketball. And I have these two friends that are like, they just think Marvel is like, they talk about it in terms of like story that I just feel like is really overblown. So I had a friend that's like, I think this is the best thing Marvel's ever done. The story, what they're like, what they're accomplishing. Like they're, they're, I'm like, dude, it's just an okay show. It's fine. It's not, it's not Scorsese. But anyway, here's the problem is they've taken Loki, the God of mischief, and they've made him kind of silly. He's kind of silly in the show. He's kind of like, he's not scary anymore. They just made him too likable and silly. And I liked him better when he was actually scary and capable of killing a bunch of people. Um, Because that's really what his character is supposed to be, is an unpredictable and ruthless killer. And now he's just trouncing around with Owen Wilson and their little cosmic buddies and getting into some muckety mucks. There's something about it that's a little bit of a bummer. Well, I hate to pull you into the realm of reality. Okay. But I'm going to. Okay. Because that's where I live. Let's go, baby. First of all, it's a comic book character. So using words like he's silly 
or he should be a killer. Come on. It's a comic book. Dude, it's all is, made Thanos, up. is Thanos silly? Thanos is scary. No, Thanos is, Thanos is pretty scary in the comics. Right. You can have scary people in comic books. In the movie, he's like a little bit more benevolent. The thing I liked the most about Loki is how comic booky the whole thing feels. Like it feels like I'm reading sure. like kind of a modern graphic novel version of a comic book. But what annoys me about that, not from you, but my my buddy, I won't say his name, but he he's like that too. Like, Can we make a name up for your buddy? Yeah. Let's make a name up. What do you want to call him? Bucktooth. All right, Bucktooth. Talking to Bucktooth last night. Uh, if he wants to go on and on about how it's like this is actually cinema and this is like a cinematic story that's amazing, and he wants to take it that seriously, you can't have both. You can't claim that. And then when I'm like, well, he's not scary enough, be like, dude, it's a comic book. Come on, man. And I'm not saying you're doing that, but he does kind of do that. Where when I start poking some holes, he usually resorts to, dude, it's a comic book. And I'm like, well, you well, can't have both, man. It, it's either silly or it's not silly at the bottom of it. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to have to agree with Bucktooth and and say, I think you can have both. And I think, I think they do a pretty good job of it. The part I have a problem with, and this is going to sound terrible if you're under 30. Oh boy, here we go. But here's the, here's the problem I have. They do this thing where they make... They put women in these roles where they're supposed to be able to beat up big dudes. And I'm like, no, like the one, the one lady that's kind of a big, big girl, mm-hmm. I could see her taking some dudes out, mm-hmm. but the lady Loki character beating everybody up. No, that, that girl's tiny. Well, she's an enchantress. Well, have her be an enchantress, but don't like the scenes where she's just beating up. Dude, and she knows karate. And they do it. They do it a bunch. They, everybody knows karate. They're all doing karate, but these <laughs> okay. guys are bigger. It's like, I just, I just don't like, I don't like, I'm, I like, I want the world to be more real. And I'm like, I get it. Oh, but dude, it's a co- dude. I'm going to bring you into reality. It's a comic book. I know, but it's just, I see you guys do. You guys do that. You're like my buddy Bucktooth. You guys kind of move the goalposts depending on whatever your point is. And my thing is, and this is Quentin Tarantino's thing, is when you establish a world in a in a film, you have to play by the logic that you establish. If you just start breaking that so you can get around certain, you know, uh, logistical corners of story, then it just it just becomes like, well, is Loki scary or not? I guess he's not. I guess he's a fun-loving, adventurous, and and you know, the story of Loki is told through these six episodes is that he's like a virtuous, nice guy. Well, there are some stuff where like when he's obviously when he's in the ATV world, he has Mm -hmm. no powers. But as soon as he's not in the ATV world, he seems to have unlimited magical powers. But then for some reason, he's duking it out with these guys. Like, just use your magic powers and kill everybody immediately. Don't duke it out. And same with her. Like, I would have just loved to have him just snap his fingers and everybody's dead or their heads off. But instead, he's like fighting because that's like more cinematic or something. Right, I'm like, uh, right. uh, no, no. And I get it, you know, like there is this, you know, Bucktooth will press on me correctly, I think, and say, first of all, zip. Second of all, he'll say, hey, man, you just got to embrace the logic and have fun. And I get that. If you're if you're watching Star Wars and you're like, but they would never travel the speed of light. That's boring. Of course, you know, it's a fucking story. But I think that the thing and Quentin Tarantino elsewhere has made the point way better than me, as I'm sure all of our listeners can imagine. But he talks about once you have this thing, a movie, a story, whatever, there is a logic set up in that. And you have to basically follow that once you establish it. Now, in the world of the Matrix, can 
people fly and shit? Yes. But once you establish all that, you have to play by those rules or it all just breaks down into sort of mush, which that's kind of what content is now. It's sort of like mush that they just throw out. They cancel everything after a couple of seasons. They always got a new shiny object to keep you sort of numb with. And it's a little bit mush. You watch a movie like um, like After Hours for somebody. Now, they're going to be bored as shit. Like a real movie now is boring to people. Did Oh, I'll tell you. I watched the movie called The Werewolves Within. Or I Werewolves Within. Did you like it? it? Well, I really like the AT&T lady, Lily. And um, I liked that that's it was, who that chick was i couldn't yeah. figure out who she was she's so good she's good i like how sort of self-aware it is in the genre it was uh funny i love i love sam richardson the lead is so good was it a good movie i don't know it was fun i had a fun time it was fun i don't think it's a great movie it's an okay movie it's fun it's kind of like an adam sandler movie i i watched that sam richardson and anything and the and the, the at&t lady's great yeah so just watching them traverse that world it had some problems in the third act. Yeah. And it was fine. When it was done, I was like, uh, that was $6 well spent or whatever I rented the movie for. I mean, I'm excited that people are making movies like that. That, they're, that are, They got a lot of irony in them, but a lot of heart, too. They really kind of blended both. There was obviously a lot of love for the genre, but there were some left turns and surprises, some pretty interesting pulpy characters that were ridiculous in a fun way. Like, I loved those redneck the redneck characters, the mechanic. So chick. good. It was the just meth, fun. The yeah, methy the, couple. <laughs> yeah. And I liked the gay couple a lot too. Like oh, I so love that. The, I love that. The one guy kept telling his partner, like basically the canceled joke that we do. Right. He's like, what is this? A Mexican standoff. And his, his husband's like, don't say Mexican, you know, just like, say shit standoff. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they had the woke guy. And I love that the, the sort of unpc guy was a gay guy. Like I, th- I thought all that was like interesting playing with sort of what's happening in culture and in this and it was funny i guess that's the bottom line too it's pretty funny there were some good funny jokes it was i it was enjoyable i find it interesting that you wanted to watch that movie that does not sound like a movie you would want to watch it just i just like the preview it looked funny i mean the preview yeah. was funny it had a knives out vibe that's that's one of the things too they tapped into that yeah or cabin in the woods like i yeah. love that movie yeah um, i just like anything i love when people take advantage of the fact that you can do anything in a movie. Like I like magical realism in a movie. Like mm-hmm. that's my favorite. It, when, when all of a sudden you're watching a movie and then all of a sudden they're doing something in the movie that you would never see in real life. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Like once upon a time in, in Hollywood where, oh man, you, you know, you, it's, it's like, Oh, this is, this is true to life. And then all of a sudden it just, it just, teleports into this new realm at the end and it just uh, and you're like oh this is so beautiful dude I, I a lot of you and he did that with inglorious bastards as well it's sort of right. this historical fiction and you get to see someone light up hitler with a fucking tommy gun dude it's great it's so yeah. fun and uh quentin's been actually doing a lot of interviews because he's promoting his book and just how lucky are we that that guy makes mo- dude i think once upon a time in hollywood is my number two quentin film it's like at the very top I have to watch it again. I thought when I watched it, I was like, uh, I wasn't that crazy about it. Like the, the Bruce Dern scene. I was like, oh, that, oh that the spawn better. ranch scene. Um, oh my God, dude, that scene is so yeah. scary. That that's when the movie for that little duration becomes a horror movie when he's on spawn ranch and he's all the Manson kids are there and he's, right. he's he thinks up, they might've up, killed, might've yeah. killed Bruce Dern. 
up until up until he walks in and meets Bruce Stern, and then it just kind of falls apart. I'm like, ugh. Well, it was just there's this huge tension release because you find out he's okay, and then but then when he comes back out and he punches that because they're they're basically going to try to f- fuck him up, and then you you get to see how much of a badass you know that character is. Remember when he comes out and they they flatten his yeah, tire yeah. Yeah, and he's yeah. like he's like you're going to change my tire, and the guy's like what? And he just starts punching him, and he's like, "Change the tire, bitch!" Like that's that's gotta, some scary I gotta watch stuff. It. I've only seen that movie once. I gotta watch it again. I recommend the second viewing for it's, sure. It's definitely one of those where every time I see it, I'm like, "Oh, I should watch it." But it's such a long movie. I'm like, uh, "It's do long I have time to watch a three hour movie right now that I've already yeah. seen." Yeah, it's long. But there are movies like that, like Wrath of Man and Nobody, that I'm going to see again. It's like. When am I going to see him again? Not if. I'm probably going to watch Nobody tonight. Tonight's Have my you not seen it yet? No, not yet. Have you seen Wrath of Man? Nope. Ooh, both of those are so fucking good. A lot uh, of people are talking about this new Nick Cage film called Pig. Uh, I've seen the previews. It looks terrible. Really? I mean, the previews look terrible. Maybe it's good. Who knows? He's got a big beard. I don't know. It's, it seems stupid. But you never know. You know, sometimes... You get a bad trailer. I thought the trailer for Inglorious Bastards made that movie look so shitty. I was like, this looks like it's going to be the worst Tarantino movie ever. But then once you see the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, it works. Once you know what the, again, it's like you're talking about, like the world of Inglorious Bastards is this sort of magical world. And so when you're watching the trailer, you're like, oh, this, this is weird and kind of like, What's that accent that Brad Pitt's using? But then once you're in the world, all of that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. I don't so, remember the trailer. It's just, uh, it's Brad Pitt talking to the guys that are going to go on the mission with him, but in like a crazy Brad Pitt accent. Yeah. I didn't like his accent in the, uh, in the film, but it's, it's fine. Once you, once you're in that film, yeah, you, it, you it works it. because again, it's, it's, magical realism. We're going to kill some Nazis. He's like that Plus, guy. But by, by the time you even get to him, I mean, that opening scene is the best oh, scene dude. of any Tarantino movie ever. Isabel does not like violent movies at all. She did not like Pulp Fiction. I wouldn't even show her Reservoir Dogs because she would hate it. I know she would. When Django came out, we didn't have a kid and uh, we were just enjoy- enjoying our lives. And uh, I was like, listen, the new Tarantino movie. It's this crazy Western. We have to go see this in a theater. We're going to regret not seeing his movies in theaters later in life. That's how important I think what he's doing is. So she she was like, I'm down to, to go on a ride. And if, if it's too much, I'll just split. She loved Django because she loved Christoph Waltz. This has never, ever happened in our relationship. She's usually good for one movie, maybe. She falls asleep. She, she prefers television shows. We watched it in the theater. We had such a good time. And I said, hey, you know... Christoph Waltz was in his last movie, which is real good too. And he's like, the first scene is this amazing scene with Christoph Waltz. We went home from Django and VOD watched Inglorious Bastards. We did a Quentin Tarantino double feature together. Wow. And she hates violent movies, dude. And that first scene of Inglorious Bastards, where the Jews are like under the floor, one, and one he's of asking the best for milk. Of all time. I think he won. I think he won an Oscar for that. He did. Yeah, I mean the way that's set up, the tension, the fucking acting, but just, I mean that's what Quentin does. He just sets up these little scenes. That's all his movies is just setting up a scene and then writing the dialogue for it and then letting people fucking kill it. 
and uh in one of the interviews that uh i've listened to all the ones he did this week brady sinellis joe rogan even mark maron who i hate but i thought it was one of those guys asked him i think it was brett was like hey were you disappointed you didn't win the oscar and it's pretty interesting hearing quentin basically be like yeah it was a pretty huge drag and he's like you know i was up against 1970 whatever the movies were he was up against and he's like you know those are good movies parasite He's like, but I definitely think I should have won it. And uh, oh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, for he wanted to win Best Original Screenplay because he has three, and the the most is Woody Allen who has four. And he's like, I if I would have gotten that one, I would have tied with Woody. And he's like, and I think it's like one of my best pieces of work. Like I really think I deserved it. And what just, won for Best Screenplay? I um, that's a good question. Let me look that up real quick. Which I know do 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 do. I thought I, I thought the awards that year were fucked up. Anyways, nineteen seventeen should have won Best Picture instead of Parasite. I mean, Parasite, Parasite was, was good fine. though. It was Parasite was fine, but nineteen seventeen was was a fucking masterpiece. Like it was what what he did and what they did in that movie was very singular and and groundbreaking and incredible. And and uh, Parasite was fine. It just wasn't nineteen seventeen. I guess Parasite got it for Best Screenplay. Yeah, Best Original Screenplay. The problem, the problem with, I think that was the year eighth grade got snubbed by everybody for everything. Like, I think uh, eighth grade. I don't know if that deserved Oscars. It uh, should have won Best Picture, Best Actress, Best uh, Score. Uh, it should have won a lot of stuff. And it didn't even get nominated for, I think, I don't know if it got nominated for anything. It's just refreshing to hear an artist. He, he landed it in a way... It's like, you know, you've, you've, I've heard you say this stuff before. You're like, my shit's good. You know, my album that I made is great. And I like artists that believe in what they do. Um, the fraud syndrome part of stuff I grapple with. I don't think fraud syndrome is very interesting. And it always surprises me when people have it. When people don't believe that they're doing stuff that's good. It's weird to me. It's like, well, what are you doing? If you don't think it's good, if you don't think it's good, why do you think the world's going to think it's good? So here are the winners for the awards. Directing was Parasite. Mm-hmm. Tarantino nominated. Mm-hmm. Best picture was Parasite. Should have been 1917. But I mean, there were some good films. Jojo Rabbit. I think Jojo Rabbit won an Oscar for like, was it cinematography? I don't know. But I mean, uh, that was pretty amazing. But best picture was definitely 1917 as far as I'm concerned. Let's see, where's writing? Adapted screenplay. Oh, Jojo Rabbit won for adapted screenplay. Right, right. Um, Original screenplay was Parasite, and the nominees were, dude, really good. Parasite was great. Knives Out was great. Marriage Story was great. 1917 should not have been nominated for original screenplay. No. Period. No. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, that's some tough competition. Well, and he had the same deal in 94 with Pulp Fiction, which he was up against Forrest Gump. Oh, and, you know, yeah. sorry, you're, you're going you're gonna to lose to Forrest Gump that year. Yeah. Well, the problem with the fucking Oscars is they're such a bunch of racist dicks that every once in a while they just do this thing where they're like, oh, we're not racists, even though they all are. And they do this thing where they like, I mean, I think they did it with Parasite. They're like, well, we're just going to give the awards to this guy because he's korean and it's like come on don't 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 negate what you're doing 
Well, it also won, unusually, Parasite won both Best International, it won Best Foreign Film also, and what, Best Picture. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, it should have won Best Foreign Film. I don't even think it should have won Best Foreign Film. Let me, because there was a film, hold on. No, you've got me. Now you've got me dancing in the aisles. Now you've got me dancing in the street. Eats looking up my shit. Uh, international feature film is Parasite. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know any of these other films. So, okay, yeah, I, I guess that should have won. I mean, the only one, the only other one I saw was Les Miserables, which was okay. Wasn't that great? Wow, Quentin Tarantino has never won Best Director. Well, he should have won it for fucking Reservoir Dogs. That movie is a fucking straight up diamond. Yeah. That should have won. That should have won best screenplay, which it probably did. No, best that director, didn't win anything. Best film. What? What Reservoir year was Dogs that? Uh, that was ninety two. I mean, he never even got nominated. I mean, no one, no one really saw Reservoir Dogs for awards season. Um, it might have done something at Con, but he didn't really get on the map until Pulp Fiction. Oh wow! Yeah, director in eighty two was Silence of the Lambs. But Thelma and Louise was on there as well. Well, that Sons of the Lambs was Jonathan Demme. And I think I think he won. I think he won Best Director and Anthony Hopkins won for Silence of the Lambs. He did. That, he mo won. that movie won a couple of Oscars. It won Best Picture. Wait, are we do we have the right year for Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs is ninety two, not eighty two. You said eighty two. Ninety two. Yeah, this is ninety two. You sure it wasn't nominated for ninety three, maybe? Well, I just looked at Quentin Tarantino, all of his nominations, and Reservoir Dogs is not on there. I mean, I'm looking at Reservoir Dogs now. It is 92. Uh, wow, yeah. Awards. There was no, there was no nominations for Reservoir Dogs. Right. 93. It was Unforgiven. What a great movie. Oh my God. Well, that's Clint. That's Clint Eastwood. That's a masterpiece Western. So yeah, you you can't fuck with Unforgiven. Can't fuck with that. Who's the villain in Unforgiven? Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn, dude. Have we just turned I'm okay, you're okay into the fucking new gold standard for film reviewing? That would like be fun. Dude, I feel like we have. That would be fun. I think Roger Ebert can go fucking take a long walk off a goddamn short fucking pier. Fuck you, Pauline Kale. He can Bye. fucking go. He can. Here's what he can do. Bend over and go fuck himself, Roger, e, Roger Ebert. I'll film it and put it on the dark web. Dude, what if your name was Clint Ebert? How much of a fucking nerd would you have grown into? You think people sort of uh, inherit the personality of what their names sound like? Dude, if my name was Robert Ebert, just put a target on me, shoot me dead. Because I don't <laughs> want to go through life with the name Robert Ebert. You know what you would do? You would change it to Ebert. Oh, yeah. And you well, would move to, it, would it's move to France. It's probably Ebert. And then when he came to the States, it went from being cool to Ebert. Yeah. How about Colbert? Colbert. Stephen Colbert. There's yeah. another nerd. Him and his fucking Lord of the Rings bullshit. But then you say Colbert and all of a sudden it lends an air of class. What about our names? Schneider. Pretty classy. Wells. No way to <laughs> that's the way church you say it up. It. Dude, that's the way you say that shit in French. Wells. Uh, table for Wells. Schneider. I'll have the duck confit. Mm, quite well. Quite, Mr. Wells. Uh, my name you church up by, with the first name, Clinton Wells. That's where you church mine up. Yeah. You know how you say that in French? Clinton. Clinton. 
Clinton. Clinton Wales and Robert. I'll have Schneider. the duck confit and uh, please some Burt's beeswax for my Florentine mustache. Yeah, quite. Dude, there's no meal that's more 1800s than duck confit. Dude, if you're fucking, if it's 1988 and you're ordering you're at a classy restaurant. If you're not ordering duck confit, GFY. GFY. It's simple. You're ordering duck confit and then for dessert, just a just a whore, just a female human being. Oh boy. To have sex with. I'll have the duck confit and then afterwards bring me a human being so that I can have my way with her because I'm a fucking thousandaire. And it's 1988. And when I say 19, I mean 18. <laughs> By the way, there are photographs. Dude, there was photographs. Did you know there were photographs as early as like 1834 or something? Like the first photographs ever were taken were like in the eight, 1830s. Well, and they're always so trippy because they, you know, smiling for photographs wasn't a thing. So, well, you couldn't because you had to stand there for a long ass time. Right. 1826 was the first photograph. I I always thought photographs were like 19th century. No, never... they're they're like you look it up right now. They're like really interesting photographs of Abraham Lincoln. Oh yeah, no, I have a book of photographs of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Which is but that was like later. That's like That's in the 1860s. That's like the 1940s when he lived. Right. First photograph. This first photograph sucks by the way. The first photograph looks like some like something that you you get on like one of those design pages to to kind of if you're doing like a heavy metal cover and you wanted the heavy metal cover to you know have some grit to it and the first self portrait was 39 so it was 10 fucking years before somebody put a dude of course it's a guy looking pretty hot robert cornelius this dude was definitely getting some of that 1839 loving getting some of that 1839 syphilis yeah how about that dude how about just when you had sex like that was like i mean we talk about aids now but that was aids syphilis back in those days syphilis gonorrhea all that shit before penicillin was aids and all you had to do to get it was just have sex first photo of a racist was John Quincy Adams. Hmm. Oh no, first photo of a president. Sorry. <laughs> he just I saw him and I was like, that dude, if there's any if there's ever been a racist, it's John Quincy Adams. Well, slave owner, so <laughs> yeah. Th there's no doubt that this guy was raping slaves. Like if you were to say, okay, here's the deal. Here's a thousand dollars. You can wager any amount of money that John Quincy Adams was raping slaves how much would you like to bet i'm i'm like 1000.0 pennies i agree i would also bet everything i owned and on the happy note of raping slaves we must bid you adieu because we have to get ready for our big show tonight and here's wait one more thing here's a quiz if you're listening to the secret weekly guess what the oldest photograph of the sun is and if you get the answer you win nothing but we'll tell you what the answer is in the secret weekly all right so we hope you're coming to the show you can get your tickets go follow us on the socials you will find the links for the tickets or you can call the saxon pub which is where we will be tonight at 9 30 p.m 
to have a unique I okay, you okay, I not okay, you not okay live experience. We're going to have a good time. Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, we're excited to do it. And so we were going to kick it out of the secret weekly. Join us on Patreon for access. Leave us that review on iTunes. And uh, we'll see you on the flippity floppity. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 